Hey, but let's get into it, all right? Jeremiah chapter 1. So, hey, I want to start with just a, a little history of your Bible. I want to kind of fit in. A, and again, as we get back to the Old Testament, and, and we have marched our way through the Old Testament, I did bounce around a little bit. So we've already, you know, we went through um, Nehemiah and Ezra. And in a timeline, Nehemiah and Ezra happen after Jeremiah. We did Daniel already, which Daniel happens after um, Jeremiah as well. But... Um, there's two kingdoms, Judah and Israel, right? So in Israel, Israel was divided. The 12 tribes were divided between two kingdoms that, that, that didn't get along, and they would have two different kings. And the 10 tribes in the north is called Israel, and, and the two tribes in the south is called Judah. And so in the north, they never had not one good king in all the years of history of the kings of Israel. In the south, they would have good kings and bad kings and good kings. And, and Israel's history, as you follow the history of the south, is like a roller coaster. They're doing well, and they're prospering, and they're thriving, and they're winning wars, and they're, they're, they're secure on their borders, and finances are good, and morale is good. And they have a good king who's ruling and following God. And then a bad king gets in and they, they get away from the things of God. And you see the, the, the decline, um, the, 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 you know, the, all those things I just talked about on the opposite and in decline based on who the king was. Um, um, so... Five kings here in the first couple of verses. Jeremiah reigns, um, and during the book of Jeremiah, he serves under, as the prophet, under five kings. Three are mentioned here in the first couple of verses, and two are not mentioned because combined these other two kings serve for a total of six months. Three months and ten days for one, and barely three months for the other one. Um, so basically, Josiah was a good king. Josiah was a king. He's one of these five kings. I'll just talk briefly about the kind of the succession of these five kings that were ruling during the time of Jeremiah. Now, Josiah was the young man who became king of Israel at the ripe old age of eight years old. At eight years old, his father died, and he becomes the, he becomes the king of Israel. He's crowned king of Israel at eight years old. When 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 Josiah is sixteen years old, there's a guy in his court in his kingdom, a, a priest by the name of Hilkiah, and Hilkiah discovers a copy of Torah, and he takes it out and he begins to read it to the king. And so you know the first five books of Moses, and after the the reading of the the first five books of the Bible, Josiah tears his robe and he and he and he repents and sacrifices cloth and ashes and basically you know he says we are in trouble now again what condition what kind of state is God's people in the nation of Israel where they, they don't have the word of God the word of God is obscure and it's hidden and it's missing and they're not studying it or reading it an eight-year-old king who's never read the Bible and, and Hilkiah finds the copy of the Torah, and he begins to read it to the king, and Josiah repents and responds as a 16-year-old king, and he begins a revival in Israel, and he begins to institute the things the good kings would do, and the statutes and the laws and the rules of God in Israel. And there's this revival that takes place, but history, as history panned out, it was very superficial. It never really took root. You never had people, like the people started obeying and going to church and doing superficial things, but they didn't catch fire and intimacy in their hearts for God. And so it just fizzled out. It didn't last. And then Josiah is followed 
in this succession of these kings. He's followed by a king by the name of Jehoahaz. And Jehoahaz was taken captive into Egypt, and there he was imprisoned in Egypt, and he was followed by a king, Jehoiakim. Now, um, during the time that Jehoiakim was reigning, there was a young king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar who was rising to power in Babylon. And this kingdom of Babylon had um, begun to grow and strengthen under Nebuchadnezzar. Now, pause the narrative there between um, these five kings that I'm walking us through. We're going to skip two, talk about three of them. Um, and, and now as, as Je, um, Jehoiakim is, is king and Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom next to Israel and Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, is rising to power, remember that the ten northern tribes of Israel, does anybody remember where they would be at this time? They're in captivity. They, they were carried away years before in captivity to the Assyrians. And so the ten northern tribes had already come to captivity. The two southern tribes are there. Now, um, Jeremiah picks up right after Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied, and, and then we have about a 60-year gap. And it's kind of a silent period in this gap. And that's where we pick up in the last five kings. And then after... Um, um, he was gaining power. Jeremiah, we're going to read it. He's going to go to Jehoiakim and he's going to tell him, hey, do not rebel against this, this young king, this King Nebuchadnezzar. But eventually, um, Jehoiakim rebels. He ignores the warning of God's word and the message from, Je from Jeremiah and he rebels. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes and he, he deposes this king and he sets up Jehoiachin in his place. And Jehoiakim made the same mistakes um, against um, Jeremiah's warnings, and he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. Now, finally, um, the last king rose to power in Judah. I got his name spelled here wrong. Until he rebelled, and then this time, Nebuchadnezzar didn't depose him. This was the third strike. Nebuchadnezzar declares war on Judah, and he marches his army to Jerusalem. He captures, he destroys the temple, he destroys Jerusalem, and he grabs all of the men of, of Israel, and he carries them back to Babylon um, to captivity. Now, there was a, a few notable Jews at the time that went with Nebuchadnezzar back to Babylon. Anyone want to take a guess who those are? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, four notable Hebrews that were carried back into captivity um, by Nebuchadnezzar. Now, how long did the captivity last? Seventy years. So listen, that's where you are in Jeremiah, where we find ourselves historically. It's before and during and after the, the Babylonian captivity. And, and Jeremiah's prophecies are going to start where he's warning them to not rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. And then they're ignoring him. Then he's warning them that, that, that if they don't repent and they don't get right, that captivity and war and, and trouble is coming. And they don't listen. And then guess what happens? And then finally Jeremiah's prophecy changes to where he's no longer warning them. He's proclaiming these things are coming. God's judgment has been passed and you will go into captivity. You will go. And then, but he's encouraging them at the time. But there'll come a time. Um, do you remember it says um, when we were studying Daniel, Daniel says that he was reading the prophecies of Jeremiah and he, and he learned that the captivity would last 70 years. And that's how he knew it would be 70 years. And so Jeremiah prophesying during this time and and um, he knows and and so he going through all of these um, this seasons and so he 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 prophesies right up to the the la these last five kings in Israel now um, 
I, I just want to walk you from Genesis to Revelation. No, I'm just kidding. Not to Revelation. Gen- no, but I do. I, I just really briefly, I want to go through the times. And I want you, this is again, if you keep this in perspective as you study the Bible, it, it will help you to keep it in its context, right? So we have different times and different rules and different kind of um, dispensations, if you will, of, of seasons of Israel. Now let's start with the first kind of, um, really there was, no, there was no Jew. Who was the first Jew? <laughs> no, Jesus wasn't the first Jew. No, Old Testament, way back. There was, the first Jew was a guy by the name of Abram. And Abram's dad was, was a priest of Midian. And, and, and Abraham was being raised up. And he was a pagan priest. His dad was a pagan priest. Abraham was a pagan himself. And God calls a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham. Now, from, from Adam to Abraham, Abraham, you have 2,000 years, and you, you know the years, right? It says Adam lived to be this much, and he died, and this guy lived. And so you count the years from Adam to Abraham, and it's 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. From Abraham to Jesus is how long? 2,000 years. From, from Jesus to today is 2,000 years. So we, we roughly, biblical history, you know, if you want to know how old the earth is, if it's just that simple, the earth is roughly... Um, 6,000 years old. On the Jewish calendar, they have us in the year 58, somebody can look at it, we did this a couple weeks ago, because I always forget the exact, it was like 5784, okay, so on the Jewish calendar, we're in the year 5784. Now, I always say, I hope they got it off by a couple hundred years, because they, they do have some troubles with the, with the thing where it's not exact science, but if, because if there's this model and this number that God really loves, what is God's favorite number? Seven. seven. Everything's around sevens, right? Six days God created, and on the seventh day He'll rest. Peter said a day is as a thousand years. So if you take that seven thousand, if a day is as a seven thousand years, everything in, in the Bible is around these seven-year periods of time. The tribulation is going to last how long? seven years. Six days a man shall work, on the seventh he shall rest. The seven sevens is a, is a jubilee. Um, and so there's a prophetic model, and again, not, don't, don't take this as bond, but it's, it's interesting that um, there, there's a possibility that the same model that God uses for everything else in the Bible is, is also his clock for, um, because there, there's a thousand year period of time that is coming, that is detailed. You can read all about it in Revelation chapter 20. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. It's the last thousand years. What happens after? The, first of all, where does the thousand years take place? Here on earth. Right here on earth. Earth is going to be destroyed during the seven years. Jesus is going to give it a makeover. He's going to bring that crowd in. They're going to put a big bus in front of the earth, and then he's going to make it over, and then he's going to say, move that bus! <laughs> and the earth is going to have a makeover. Now, Now that's... That's a true story. The earth is going to get a makeover. And then for a thousand years, Satan is going to be bound, and God is going to rule and reign. Jesus is going to rule and reign. We're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is let free one last time. He leads one last rebellion. Then God takes Satan, and, the, and, the, um, and, and he throws him into the eternal lake of fire. And then also the great white throne judgment, everybody's thrown in. And then at the end of the thousand years, John 21, uh, Revelation 21, verse 1, John says what? 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, adorned as, as a bride for her husband, coming down out of heaven. And that's eternal heaven. And, and at that time, the earth that we're on that got the makeover, um, that we lived on for a thousand years, Peter tells us it's going to burn with fire. God said, I'll never flood the earth again. He said, this time I'm going to burn that bad boy to the ground. And I'm going to light the roof on fire and let it burn. So, so you have that thousand years detailed. And then after the thousand years, that's when we enter eternal heaven. The heaven and earth that exists today is not where we're going to spend eternity. The earth that we're going to spend the thousand-year reign on is not where we're going to spend eternity. But there still will be an earth. It'll just be a new earth. And there's going to be a, a cube about the size of the moon that is called the New Jerusalem or the heavenly city. And that's what heaven will consist of, these two things, right? So, again, if the, if the next major event is the thousand years of basically rest because Satan is bound, and, and then you take the model of six days... God will work, and on the seventh, he'll rest. It, it, it does just make sense that, that God's going to use that model. And, and, and in the year 6001, we'll be ready for the seventh day. It'll be a time of rest, and so that the, it's coming. So the Jews have us in the year 5783. If, if that model is correct, we got like 300 years before Christ comes back. If they're off a couple hundred years, hey, maybe we're in the year like... $59.99, and, and Lord's coming back soon, but nonetheless, it's, it's interesting, right? Okay, so you have the, the, the time of the patriarchs. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God, again, there's no Jew before Abraham. God calls Abraham, and he tells Abraham, go, and Abraham goes looking for a city ba uh, not made with hands, built in the heavens, a city made by God, and so Abraham goes, and then um, God begins to work through this man, Abraham. And then Abraham has a son named Isaac. And then Isaac has a son named Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons. And Jacob's 12 sons, all of their first names are the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's basically how Israel is born. At the time that, that there was a famine in Israel, Abraham is dead, Isaac is dead, and Jacob and his 12 sons, and, and, and 10 of Jacob's 11 sons at the time, because Benjamin was young and not born, um, hated their brother Joseph. And so they sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt. He goes down into Egypt, and then there's a famine in Israel. And God brings all of the, the, the every person who is a Jew, a Hebrew nation, it was 75 people. It was Jacob and his wives and their kids and their extended family, and it added up to be 75. And 75 people went into Egypt. That, that was the beginning of the Hebrew race and the Hebrew nation. And then there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and the amount of people that was 75 grew to be millions in Egypt. And the Pharaoh enslaved them. And so now they go from the time of the patriarchs into a time of Egyptian slavery where for 400 years they're slaves. And then God raises up a deliverer named Moses. And he speaks to him. And Moses goes, and God, through Moses, um, delivers the people of Israel. And, and most um, Bible scholars put the number of, of Jews that leave Israel around 2 million. Um, so about 2 million Jews crossing the Red Sea. For 40 years, they wander around the wilderness on the great funeral march, waiting for those who had unbelief to die. And during that 40 years, God is building the next kind of dispensation or time where God is going to begin to govern his people with the law. 
And so Moses spends a lot of time on top of Mount Sinai. He gets the law, the Ten Commandments. They begin to institute the law. They build the first tabernacle or temple, um, beginnings of a temple, and animal sacrifices, all of that stuff. Not to say that God didn't, you see these things before. Like Abraham tithed, but Abraham lived 400 years before the law. And so some of the things, sacrifices, you know, those things existed. But, but now they're following God based on the law of Moses. And then, and then Joshua and Caleb, they lead the people into the promised land, cross the Jordan River now, and then they enter a time of Judges. And what book in your Bible tells you about that? Judges. And we have all these successions of Judges. Samson is a judge. Deborah, God uses a female judge during that season. Um, and you have all these succession of Judges and, and prophets. And then the last, so when we go through the season where God is now governing His people, still under they still follow the law, but, but governing them with the judges or um, the prophets. Then that, they go through that season. They start to establish themselves in the land. They're, they're fighting. They're having wars. We have the book of Joshua and all those things. And then we have judges. And then we enter the time where um, it's, it's the last judge. Who's the last judge of Israel? Samuel. Samuel is the last judge of Israel. And God raises him up. And during Samuel's reign... The people come to Samuel, the last judge, the last prophet, and they say to him what? We want a king. We want a king like the other nations. They were afraid, and, and there was war. And God's heart was broken, and Samuel's heart was broken. And God, Samuel came to God, and Samuel, God encouraged Samuel, and he said, Samuel, the people have not rejected you. They've rejected me. And God's intention for the nation of Israel is that they would be a theocracy. A nation governed by God through spiritual leadership. And that was all government. Guess what kind of government we're going to have in the thousand-year millennial reign? You're not sure? A theocracy governed by God where Jesus is going to rule and reign and, and, and righteousness. And so then they raise up a king, and God raises up the first king of Israel, is a guy by the name of Saul, who turns out to be a complete schmuck. Now, um, Saul technically, I don't think, I think technically we don't call Saul the first king of Israel because David is actually the one who God recognizes as the first king of Israel. But then you have the beginning period of the season of the kings. And then the kings rule in Israel through King David, through First and Second Samuel, through First, um, um, first and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. And, and then at the then, then we're here in Jeremiah, and we're looking at the last of the kings of Israel. After this point, there's no more kings in Israel. And, and right down to the, and, and then after the, the, the reign of the kings and during the book of Jeremiah, the nation of Israel goes into Babylonian captivity. And during Babylonian captivity for 70 years, God cures them of idolatry. One of the reasons they went into Babylonian captivity was because of their idolatry. Another reason was because during the season of the kings for the last 490 years, they didn't observe the Sabbath year. God said, six years you shall, you shall plant, and on the seventh year you shall let the land rest. And they went 490 years and never observed a Sabbath year. And they owed God 70 years, the land 70 years to rest. So God put them in captivity for 70 years. When they, when they come out of captivity, led by um, Nehemiah and Ezra, Zerubbabel, we studied all through that period of Israel's history. Then, they, then they, they, they come out, they rebuild Jerusalem. We get our minor prophets through that, through that time. And then um, we have, you know, this, this page in your Bible between the, the Old and the New Testament. It represents something. This blank page right here, 
It represents a 400-year period of Israel's history. From here, the Old Testament, to here, 400 years pass. Guess what happens during that 400 years? Absolutely nothing. 400 years. 400 years of silence. No prophecy, no prophets, no kings, no judges, no word of the Lord. Um, 400 years in Israel's history where God didn't show up and speak to them. 400 years of, si of, of silence. What broke the silence? Messiah. Messiah came. And that, that's Messiah. So that, again, I know, very, very rudimentary, very elementary. But that's your Old Testament in a nutshell. That's the seasons and the periods um, that cover the Old Testament. Okay, let's do a little couple, uh, let's do some, some uh, test questions now. Now I'm going to test you on what I just taught you. We'll start with the hard one. What ended this, the um, reign of the kings in Israel? Or what was the next succession after the kings in Israel? Babylonian captivity. We have the five, last five kings here in Jeremiah. The next thing that follows that is them going into Babylonian captivity. How many good kings did, the, um, did Israel have? Now, when I say Israel, understand I'm talking about the ten northern tribes. The term Israel in this context is talking about the ten northern tribes. How many good kings did, did Israel have? Not one in all their history. Okay, And in the south, did they have good kings? In the tribe of Judah? In the, yes, they had good kings and bad kings um, over their history. How many years of silence before the New Testament? 400 years. Who did God use to bring the people out of Egypt? <laughs> so I'll throw you an easy one, right? All right, so that brings us to Jeremiah. I don't know how much of this chapter we're going to study tonight, you guys, but that's okay. I think the introductions are important. I know they get a little lengthy and boring at times, but I think it's important. And if you guys retained any of this information, I think it's good for you. Um, all right, so, so now we meet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah, um, his prophecies have a large part to do basically with the Babylonian captivity. A lot of what we're studying is him warning about the captivity. About, and, then, and then it changes from warning to proclamation that, that you are now being judged. And, and, and he has a very hard ministry. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah writes Lamentations. Lamentations is weeping, and they're lamenting over the condition of Israel being thrown into Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah had a tough, tough ministry. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was thrown into a pit. He was ridiculed. He was, he was called a traitor by his countrymen because of the tough message that he had to go, had to have. When God called him, God said to him, I don't permit you, I don't want you to have a wife and kids because you can't um, do the ministry that I've called you to with a family. That's how difficult his ministry was going to be. And yet, and yet he's the weak prophet and and he told these tough messages and gave these tough prophecies exactly as God told him through tears and through weeping and compassion Jeremiah never has and we don't have any evidence of any fruit in Jeremiah's life or in his ministry not one convert now listen we all want to be fruitful we, we want God to bless us. And, you know, like here in the church, if, 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 if I've been here 10 years and I'm still, you know, the same five people that just showed up, you know, it'd be discouraging. And I would say, man, you know, you, we might say, you know, my pastor would probably have called me a long time ago and recalled me back to Yucca Valley. Hey, man, it didn't work out. Like, there's no fruit. Nothing's changing. And yet for 40 years, Jeremiah does tough 
um, ministry with no fruit. I mean, I think of, of who was in the ark? Noah. Moses? Noah. Every time I'm preaching, I'll talk about the ark. I mean, I always switch the names. Noah's ark, Noah preached for 120 years. You know how many people came, started showing up to his church? Zero. I mean, not 120 days. Not 10 years, 120 years. The dude must have been a terrible preacher. No, I'm just kidding. It, 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 was, it was a call of God. But listen, you know what, what, what you and I want? I want to encourage us with this. The Bible says that when, when, when you get to heaven, I'm going to read it to you. It's in Matthew, in, G, in Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus is going to say this. And it says, he, his Lord said to him, well done, good and fruitful servant. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say fruitful. We want it to say fruitful. We want to be fruitful. But, but the onus, and I always, always remind us and encourage us that it's required of a servant that he be found faithful. And that was Jeremiah, a tough ministry, no fruit. But God didn't reward him. God didn't, didn't when he got to heaven, God said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then he goes on and he's going to say, and these are the words we want to hear. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And so it's faithfulness, being faithful to what God has called you to. You know, there, there's things, uh, Jeremiah had a terrible minute, a terrible um, time in, in life. You know, one of my favorite, my, not one of, the most favorite verse I have in the book of Jeremiah is in chapter 20. And Jeremiah has had it. And, he, and he's totally frustrated. And, and, and God, is, God tells Jeremiah, I want you to go over here and give this message in this city. And he goes there, and they beat him up, and they throw him in prison. And then, and, then, and then God says, okay, now, when he gets out of prison, God's like bailing him out, you know, and God takes his collect call, and he comes out in his dress, you know, his, his uniform oranges, and God picks him up, and God says, okay, now, I want you to go over to this city, and I want you to give him this message. And he goes, and he does exactly what God says, and they beat him up, they throw him in a pit, and they put him in prison. And, and finally, after a long succession of all this tough stuff, he's just frustrated with himself, and he's frustrated with God, and he's in the flesh, and he says, that's it, God. He said, I'm no longer going to speak your word. I'm no longer going to go and give these messages that get me thrown in prison. I'm done. And then the very next verse is a powerhouse scripture. And Jeremiah says, I, I told God I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. He says, but the word of the Lord burned in me like a passion. And I could not but withhold it. I could not give it out. It was so, you know, and that's the idea of ministry. That's what keeps us and drives us, right, is when it's hard. And, and, and in ministry, and in, in the pastorate especially, you know, they, they, they drop like flies. Churches are closing all the time. Pastors are leaving all the time. My heart would break for these guys who, who don't have a call of God, but they somehow, you know, and this happens all the time. There's, there's preachers and pastors and people that don't even know Jesus, and they went to some seminary, and they got a big degree, and they, they know a lot about the Bible, and they got master's and doctorate degrees in divinity and theology. They just don't know Jesus. And, and they don't have the power and, you know, to, to go and, and, and to try to do ministry without the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and lives. And, and so Jeremiah is, is passionate about what he does. And he has to be in order to do it. You know, like, if I was one of those guys, like, this is not what I signed up for. You know, e even in coming to Tooele, I honestly, in the flesh, when, when God, when, I can never tell you guys the exact words that came out of my mouth. But, but Gerald and Marilee, they came to Lydia and I, and Gerald said, hey, what do you think about Utah? 
And the next words that came out of my mouth were not godly words. I'll try to sum it up and clean it up a little bit. Basically, I said, I'm not going to Utah. I don't even like Utah. Something like that. <laughs> and, now, and I didn't even think twice, you know. But, but the, the point being just that in my flesh, at the time, there wasn't an appeal to come here. You know, I wasn't like, you know, and, and I started finding the grass on, you know, the, the pot of gold at the end thing. I started, you know, the outdoors, fishing, hunting, you know, being out, you know, and finding things that I love about Utah and I love today. And I love every part about where I'm at. I love every part about where I'm at because this is where God has called me. And this is where God is going to gift me. And, and, and if, you know, if Lydia and I, you know, we decided at the time we were going to go to Kauai and start, start a Calvary Chapel in Kauai, we wouldn't be where we are today 10 years later. It's not where God called us. It's not where God's blessing was. But being where God's called us and where God's blessing is and, you know, in places. And, and it's, it's a blessing because Utah is a tough place, but and you have to be called to be here. So I know I'm called. I, I know God's in it. You know, I know that, that everything that's happened is by the grace of God. It's not because of me or any kind of gifting or skill or anything I have. We're here today because of the grace of God and because of the call of God. And God spoke clearly. And again, if God's going to get me and Lydia to leave what was comfortable and good, he had to speak clear. He had to speak clear to, 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 to both of us. You know, and I, I mean, I heard him pretty quickly, but it took him a little bit longer to get through to Lydia. <laughs> just kidding. She just came in the back, so. Yeah. How'd Luke do? So good? Awesome. All right. So, um, so that was the life of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. But he, here's what's cool um, about Jeremiah. Do you remember when Jesus um, corners the disciples and he says, um, who do men say that I am? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? And so they said to him, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah. Now, how sweet of a person and a life was Jeremiah that, that when people saw Jesus himself and how compassionate he was and how wise he was, that, they rem that he, Jesus reminded them of Jeremiah. That, that, you know, that's a huge, huge compliment. You know, they're watching Jesus and his demeanor and his spirit and, his, and the way that he's carrying himself. And they're like, man, it feels really a lot like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah was a person of compassion and of love and who did ministry a lot like the way you do ministry. You know, a huge compliment for Jeremiah, not for Jesus, you know, for Jeremiah. And, and so, so again, though his, his ministry was tough, it was rewardless, it was fruitless, it, it was important in the eyes of God and faithful in the eyes of God. Great is Jeremiah's reward. And I love it that, that, that God rewards him with that little plug in the New Testament, you know, and this, this wonderful thing. And I promise you, you're going to, you know, you're going to want to meet Jeremiah when you get to heaven. Make sure he's on your list of folks that you're going to want to, you know, take out to lunch and spend some time with and get to know him and uh, an amazing person. But nonetheless, a very difficult call. And listen, listen, there, there's, 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 um, ministries that God needs certain people in that are like that, you know? And, and in any ministry, in any aspect, there's, there's, a, there's a, a season of that. There's a portion of that, whether it's pastorate or missionary or, you know, we, we had some friends that were missionaries um, in Afghanistan. Talk about a tough, tough, tough place to do ministry. You know, the persecution, first of all, like, it's off with your head if you make a mistake in Afghanistan as a Christian missionary. She, she was telling, and I don't know why this stuck with, always stuck with me. 
but they, they came on home furlough, and she was sharing with us something, and she was saying that, that they have to wash their fruit with iodine because of the parasites and because of the, it's just bad. And to even be able to eat a peach, they had to wash it and scrub it in iodine. <laughs> Yikes. But, I mean, but they, they, ha- they have in, in, on her street, in, in places, and I think maybe many places in Afghanistan, but their sewers are not under the ground. The sewer pipes, they run uh, above ground. There's these channels that run along the streets that's the sewer pipes. You know, you know what, you know what the, the Afghanis call them? They call them Jewies. Because their hatred of Israel, they call, that's, what they, that's the nickname for them, Jewies. Um, all right, I'm out of time. You know, I think we got a pretty good intro. We didn't get into the chapter, but that's okay. We did get a pretty solid intro. So basically, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the actual verse. No more intro next week. Chapter 1 is bombbombbomb.com. Um, and, and basically, we're just going to follow um, Jeremiah through these 40 years from these last five kings, and it's going to end with them going into Babylonian captivity. Amen? Yes. Father God, we come before you, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for Jeremiah. We thank you, Lord, for the, the intro that we did today, and, and we got to know Jeremiah a little bit. Um, Lord, we got to be encouraged by um, his faithfulness and that, Lord, you, even in our own lives, even if things are difficult and we don't feel like we're bearing fruit, Lord, fruit is, is, is your department to put fruit in our lives. God, it's our department to be faithful to do that which you've called us to do and remain faithful. And so, Father, if there's something um, that people in this room, something that we're doing, Lord, that we've been discouraged by or that we're not really sure, Lord, if it's what you want, that you would just encourage, that you would speak to hearts. And Father, if we're in a place where it's hard, but it's where you have us, Lord, encourage us in that. Lord, help us to thrive in that. Help us to understand that our ministry is based on being faithful to your, to your word, to your call, to what you've told us to do, and, and not results. Lord, the results belong to you, God. You bring the increase. Some water, some plant, but God brings the increase. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you. And Lord, I, I pray looking forward to um, our study through Jeremiah, that you would show up and help us and bless us as we study through this, this, this book. And uh, Lord, help us to read ahead and bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.